Like some, I don't know whether it was like um, something that you pretending was a microphone and you were like singing like that and things like that when you were a kid. I'm sure you've told me that story. And that was when you first sort of like started listening to music and were really like, imagine yourself singing music as a kid. Oh, you mean a uh, uh, broom handle? Yeah, that was yes, it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah see, sure, yeah. I listen, man. Yeah, I listen. Yeah, yeah. I listen to all the stories. In fact, this will be quite enjoyable to try and piece them together. Right, so are we recording now? We are recording oh, now, right, but this okay. is fine. This okay. is fine because um, if anything, it's a bit more natural than... Okay. Hello, my name is yeah. Tom. This is <laughs> Billy. <laughs> so, welcome to the No Wobbles podcast, episode two. Yeah. With me today is Billy Joe, the Canadian local vocalist and musician extraordinaire very interesting time to have him on the podcast because obviously pubs at this moment in time are just coming out of the lockdown we at the wobbly cobbler have just opened for the first two days since march mm-hmm. which has been surreal um, and obviously for us there's a load of uh, legislation and new rules and things we've got to follow which is fine uh, but it's quite interesting to look at other people connected with the industry and yeah. see where they're at and obviously, Billy, you have a full-time job, but your passion, you know, it's always been the singing. Um, I don't know necessarily if you'd always play the songs everyone else wants you to play if it was just your passion, but that's part of it, isn't it? You know? mm, yeah. um, and right now, for you, you were telling me you're not allowed to return to work as a vocalist yet. No. Have they given you? Is, is who who said that? Or is it in the guidance? I think I think it is. Yeah, I think my understanding. Um, from a street level, is that when you're singing, <clears throat> you're spewing out sweat and aerosols and all that stuff, and, and that's projecting it. Toxic, so yeah. But you can sit on a plane and fly to certain places in the world next to somebody with a mask on. I don't know. I don't get it sometimes. But yeah, hey, you know. I think I think getting it is something that a lot of people are struggling with. I well, I mean, it's know. bit by bit, isn't it? I know. I know. We've yeah. been told in here that um, I can't have loud loud music on in the background. Because it'll encourage people to speak louder, which then they project, yes, yeah, they project yeah, their voice. Yeah. Um, and I had to tell someone on the weekend, you know, they brought a. No, they were playing some game on the phone. So it, like they, they come in a bit, and they, yeah. the good kids and stuff, whatever. But not kids, obviously, like yeah. 25, 26 or something. Uh, but I think they hold a phone to their head, and mm-hmm. it says something. And the person who's got the phone has to guess what it is, while the other ones give them clues. Right. Um, but they were getting so loud doing it, I had to come over and be like, look, mm. like these are the rules, this is how yeah. it is right now. But um, that's a lot easier when you can, um, you're just putting down a group who are having a drink in a, in, in, in a place like this, but it, it can't be as easy. Well, I mean, mm. are you booking gigs in the future at the moment, or is it just kind of blanket? It, there's been a little hint of um, people wanting garden parties and things like that outside, where this aerosol kind of approach to spreading uh, the disease is reduced because you're outside in the air. That makes more sense. Yeah, so, but it's very slow in coming. Um, what about, was it P-Fest? Yeah. I saw that that had been cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. That was outside. Or was yeah. it just that they don't want people gathering in that large amount, I guess? Yeah, it was that initial shutdown that mm. happened. No one was moving or going anywhere, doing anything. Um, so it wasn't just going to, it wasn't going to happen. Did you miss it? Oh. Oh, I'm aching. Uh, <laughs> how long's it been? Uh, too long. Oh. When was your last one before shutdown? Because you were, by I mean, that stage, it was more or less every week, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was three months ago plus. It's a drug. It's it's the best legal high you can get, and you can't get arrested for it. Is to sing and perform in front of people. And, ugh. I've seen you. I've watched you met plenty of times. It's a ritual, isn't it? Oh, really? God, the yeah. initial, uh, the whole day of fear. horrendous <laughs> fear, not eating, yeah. anxiety, maybe run to the toilet yeah. for a quick throw. People yeah. don't realise. Yeah. People think putting yourself on the line like that is just a yeah. thing that people do. And, you know, 
might be happy to criticise and things like that, but it just takes some bollocks to stand up there and... and... I'm petrified every gig. Yeah. Every gig I get petrified. You know, just... I don't know, you know, people say, why do you, you know, you're, you're not a bad singer. Why, what are you worried about? But it, it's just adrenaline and the anxiety and the fear. And it's like jumping out of a plane with a parachute for the first time every gig. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, it's petrifying. It doesn't <laughs> even seem to matter how big the crowd is. No, or... it could be 20,000 or five. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then once you're in it and doing it and the sound sounds okay and it's okay, it's going to be okay, you know pull that thing and they shoot open all i gotta do is land Jeez. um it's like oh yeah okay as long as the wind doesn't hit the wrong way and ooh, but what if the, and you, you what if yourself through performance as well all the way while you're while you're sure you are yeah you're kind of listening to the sound and you're making sure that doesn't crack and that doesn't fall over and and managing the crowd as well as your your your, your own security yeah. sound man and performer all in one thing big difference time. between performing at one venue and then yeah. performing at another as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, sounds like something I would struggle to, you know, because like public speaking, I can, it's the only thing I can relate it to. That wedding where I was best man and you did the performance, that was it. That was uh, I did a speech then in front of all those people. That was the only thing I could think of that I've done. There were a few other things, small things, you know, but where it was kind of like. Until that was over, I didn't think of anything else that day. Do you know what I mean? There was a nice, lovely wedding going on and everything like that. But now I was just like, I feel. <laughs> oh, man. And just yeah. as it was building up to it, and then like the person next to me was like, oh, you'll be all right. I was like, don't need to hear this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I just want it happening to happen, you know. It's the waiting that seems like the worst bit. Your mum, every gig, says, you'll be fine. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no it's yeah. So you've experienced what I experience every gig, which is... Just panic, panic. What is it then? Is it? The, were you panicking, anxious? I would say it was anxious. A lot yeah. of sweating. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like. There's a certain smell that comes with anxious sweat that you just like. <laughs> no matter how much deodorant you put on, it's just like. Do you know when they say you can smell fear? It's yeah, just yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And then when you got up and you did it, and you finished it. How did you feel about it? Great. Yeah. Because you've. It's like your adrenaline gets <clears throat> you through it. Yeah. That's what adrenaline's there for, isn't it? I suppose. That must be similar for you because yeah. you go on sometimes at three hours of singing which yeah. is no small feat and half the time in the past you you've been working a full-time job yeah. as well so you work all day yeah. not eating thinking about it probably good actually to be distracted yeah. and then you get to it then you sing for three hours and you haven't eaten all day and then you have your first pint <laughs> yeah. but that's like the reward at the end of anything you know it's a bit like before we opened here first time and then again on on saturday not knowing how it would go all this booking system all these new systems paying more staff wondering if it could possibly work yeah. and you you're just not sleeping for like the whole week properly because you just head things about and then once it's happening and people start coming in then it's like ah getting into the rhythm of it now and then you can start enjoying it you know and then yeah. afterwards it's like right i'm gonna have a that's a direct parallel to my experience singing and performing. It's the same thing. I don't know what it had been like if no one had come in. Though. What, have oh, you ever had one? Have you ever had a gig where just like it's an unresponsive crowd? They're not the right crowd. They're just you know, like a stand-up. All stand-ups talk about how they've gone through the the crowds that you know were just yeah. difficult, but that made them yeah. better in a way. I don't know. I think my my experience as a counselor over the years and uh, stuff like that has helped. Because I think performing is a psychological thing too. And when I've been to a venue where the audience isn't responding, it's probably because I was trying too hard to get them to respond. Uh, so then I start going inward. I don't know whether you'll know what I mean by this, but I'll just go inward into myself and think, well, I'm going to sing all the songs that I love that I want to sing. And in some ways, without being rude, the more that you ignore them and become honest with yourself and what it is you want to do at that moment funny enough they start oh what's going on oh that guy's into his own thing there oh that sounds right and then they start to respond so i think it's the psychology of it is if you try too hard to get a response sometimes they don't want you trying so hard they just want you to be so if you become uh just singing if you become honest and subdued and into your own self then they start getting curious yeah well i don't think you know 
I think that's got a lot of parallels with a lot of things as well. Yeah, well like, what did Lennon say? Is it, you know, nobody loves loves you when you're down and out. So if you're desperate, you're kind of down and out. It's almost pathetic. There's and nothing attractive going, about desperate. This guy's really desperate, man. He's like, oh. uh, so it's, but but if you if you kind of think, oh, sod you, I'm gonna enjoy this for me. Yeah. Then they start enjoying it because you're being real and honest and you're doing it for yourself. Then they're curious. Then they want to listen more. Well, you're... It's lovely. It's you're, a lovely process. You're returning to the pure art of just enjoying yourself, yeah. aren't you? So, yeah. Rather I mean, than hung up and panicking about trying to impress. I mean, if it was a perfect world, we'd all be able to do that straight away. But that's probably yeah. something that's come over years and years of yeah. doing it to be able to teach yourself the right. Let's return to what I enjoy here. Let's go. Let's have a gig that it's just me. Return yourself to the broomstick. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Return to that. Just that. And then you yeah. see someone enjoying themselves, having a great time. It's automatically more attractive, yes, isn't it? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I think there's something to be learned there for pretty much any avenue in life in mm-hmm. terms of like, yeah. I don't know if you can return to just, you know, a lot of artists struggle to make um, money. Or artists always struggle to make money. Creativeness is difficult to monetize because the moment you try to make money out of something it's quite easy to corrupt what you were doing and stop mm. enjoying it and yes. then it comes through in what you're selling it's like oh look at this oh, I've, yeah. made, oh, I've made 10 of them quick you know yeah. uh, and i think it's a real sort of sign of mastery when someone has like you're describing found the art of returning to that place inwardly mm. where you're still an artist yeah because you need to if you stop being an artist then mm. everyone can smell it you know, yeah. you can see it in someone, can't you? And you can yeah. see a performance where it's a bit like, yeah. I always remember that it's like, you know, these, they were, I don't know if they're still popular, but like the Britain's Got Talent and mm-hmm. X Factor or something like that. There was a chap on who got through to like the third realm round or whatever. I don't know. And yeah. he was singing with everything he had. Like he was you saw like his veins popping out. He was, he looked like he was almost in pain yeah. with how much he was trying to prove his vocal cords yeah. to the judges. And that Simon Cowell chap afterwards was just like, no, he's like, you're not bad, but you're never going to get past this point because you want it too much. Yeah. He's been, he'd been around the block and he, and he'd, he was singing on cruise liners, but he still yeah. wanted that number one album. But it, you could see on him this desperation for it. Yeah. And it was like, it was almost painful to watch, mm. even though he wasn't a bad singer. Yeah, that sounds sad. It was. It was yeah, sad. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, it was almost the the kind of that brutal honesty of Simon Cowell that was probably what he needed. Yeah. Because maybe he goes and thinks finally, right, you know, I need to focus on something else. But when he goes to pick up the microphone again in the future, mm. he won't have the pressure on his shoulders. He'll probably end up enjoying himself and be ten yeah. times better. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a period during your life where you were seeking the stars? Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was I was in a band in Toronto when I was 20, 21, 22, and uh, we were doing a circuit there in Canada. <clears throat> and I thought, oh wow, I'm in a rock band. I'm doing a circuit in Toronto. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And and I remember being on stage, and I was ahead of the guitarist, the drummer, and the bassist behind me, and I was, if I was to exaggerate what I was doing, and it's probably true, I was just loving the attention. Look at me, I'm the singer, and aren't I amazing, and I'm the singer in this band, and you're the audience, and aren't I great, and aren't I fantastic, don't I look amazing? And I was like giving off this, don't you just love me, because I love me too, because isn't it amazing, I'm just amazing. And during, in the middle of a song, I'm doing this, and the guitarist saw that, and I'm singing this song and it's rocking and everything. And I feel this boot up my ass. Bang! I get hit with this boot. And I'm singing. I turn around and look at the guitarist and I'm like, you know, with the look of, what the hell did you do that for? That you're blowing my image here, man. I'm great and I'm amazing and aren't I fantastic? So we got off stage and went back to the second set. But we got off stage and went to the dressing room. And I said, uh, say, man, why'd you kick me in the ass? He goes, listen to me. You are one quarter of this band and we're four piece and you're nothing without us and we're nothing without you. So get off your little pot, your little stand, that you think you're so great and come back to us because it's pissing us off. So I went back on stage, the second set, pulled the mic a little closer so I was in line with the guitarist and the bassist so I could see them. So it wasn't sort of a diamond shape now, it was, 
and I and I just physically came back into the van and learned a big lesson about humility and, and you know not being such an egotistical. How old rock. were you out of interest? Uh, around well, 20, 21. That is a good time to learn those yeah, lessons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that yeah, that physical boot helped me, and and since then I've, I've really worked on that. Well, that's a, that's a lesson you probably never forgot. Mm. And again, another transferable yeah. thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. I think we can all be guilty of losing ourselves mm. in uh, success in a way you know yeah. um but that's an interesting one did you know them quite well or? yeah 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 i love the guys you know but i just i was just in love with myself more than them and they were, they were reminding me hang on you know come back to earth because you're actually making a fool of yourself ah. and i was like people they could see this pretentious individual just like what's he what's he on you see quite a lot of um <clears throat> Quite a lot of the big guys have a bit of that, though, don't they, sometimes? What's that? Is it the... Uh, I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to show my music in, music um, ignorance and name anyone, actually, <laughs> in case. But there's... Um, I don't know. I guess there is something there that you've got to have that in your character a bit. Do you know what I mean? You need... Sure you, you need that... that uh, your desire for that, yeah. um, feeling that adrenaline is what gets you up on stage. Do you know what I mean? At the same time. But I suppose then it goes too far and you become the band that breaks up because the one guy just won't stop or he's yeah. on the wrong track or, you know. And like you say... I think it, just being honest and an individual and genuine. And if you can maintain who you are as a person on stage... I mean, I know it is a bit of a performance. You do become somewhat of a character, but if you can stay true to yourself, then you're on the right track, I think. You know, if you look at David Bowie when he when he would get up and perform, it, he was you would never get a sense from watching him visually that he was in love with himself or arrogant. He was playing a character, but mm. it was true to his own personal yeah. uh, structure or makeup or, or construct that he, he, he was as a person. And that changed with each album. That's yeah. what a lot of that yeah. happens, you know. Um, but he's a he's a great example of exactly that because it was quite, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> uh, what's that like Bjork as well? You know, like these yeah. unusual yeah. ones, but they're just yeah. following like yeah. they're what, true to themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's yeah. a definite that's a huge thing because you can very easily fall off that path of people. Because um, you'll get you'll get way more critics than you will. Well, I suppose maybe you won't, but you probably pay attention to the critics more the so than the people. You know, the one person in the thousand who says, mm, wasn't really for me. Yeah, I'll stay in your head for like ages. Whereas like the other people coming up to you, that was amazing. Here, I'll buy you a drink. And it's like, right, cheers. And then you're looking back for that guy who yeah, said, yeah. Uh, you know. Which I'm, I, I, but I love that. Like I've learned to, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 58 now. So uh, I've learned to seek that guy or woman out and find out what was it specifically that they didn't particularly, that it wasn't for them. And sometimes it's, I mean, that's where I learn. That's where I develop is to find out and get that feedback. Yeah, yeah, And be open yeah. to it. You know, I mean, it might be, well, the sound is crap, you know. Like, what, what, what particular, you know, you even said that to me. You said, that's not all right, Bill, but there's something going on there. And I've gone and corrected. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a great. I love that kind of feedback. Well, that's why I've enjoyed, um, yeah. if I'm ever with you, you know, obviously I've seen you live enough that I can kind of <clears> sit there and enjoy chatting to people. And, and I've always got it in my head in the background, the sound. And mm -hmm. I've got to the point after some years of getting a little glimpse of like, you know, something's not quite, but you're, you're, you know, a lone vocalist at the moment. And then, mm -hmm. so you're trying to do everything at the same time. Yeah. So it's not easy necessarily to, like you've said before every single song needs its own balance and mm. levels and all this and while i don't understand that particularly well i can tell when the guitar's louder than the vocals because the vocals need to be you know yeah. um but i'm at the other side of the room where the crowd is yeah. and you're on your own yeah. boxed in with a it's a different sound happening mm. in your ears you know yeah. um, and you always i always try and get your attention subtly yeah. but i don't want to distract it but you've always been like sort of just eye contact and yeah. then a little bit of a yeah. you know which then, uh, is really helpful. Like, well, yeah, yeah, really, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very helpful. But uh, yeah, so these days you um, you do that 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 vocalist. You, I mean, obviously we haven't gone so much for those who don't know you. Billy is a vocalist. I think you'll have got that by now. We've already talked about you being the front man of the band and, and things like that. And you have a fantastic voice. Um, not many people. Oh, thank you. 
Well, you you know you do. You know. No, <laughs> well, there's not many no. people. I've just moved on the bench of it. That's like rippled the sound through there. But there's not many people who I've seen live who have that standard of, of vocals. And I think particularly since you started going in this, like you've refined this model that you do it now as you do these live venues more and more. Um, you've kind of refined your enjoyment of it. You know, it's like you've, you've learned a, quite a broad range of songs now. Mm. I mean, I can tell as well, you know, if your voice is a bit sore, you'll bring out the UB40 or mm. a bit of Bob Marley and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. Or, yeah. And then at the beginning, it'll be like, Ooh, and it depends on your audience as well. Mm. You know, it's got to, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but other than that, you've had quite a history of different bands and different things like that. Um, I know that you once told, like the biggest, you told me the biggest crowd you'd ever played in front of was in Italy yeah and yeah. what band was that was that the one you were with Toronto or no that was a London based band I auditioned for them I had a dream when I left Canada to come to England and play on British soil and I left in 1987 and landed here 1987 November 13th Friday the 13th uh, and started auditioning for bands in, in London and I saw this one band looking for a vocalist and auditioned and got the job and went through all the original music and then flew off to Italy and played in a big concert of 20,000 people. And, wow. It still yeah. feels the same though, or does it feel different when there's 20,000 people? Oh, I really threw up before I got <laughs> <laughs> I was all cool all day. I was like, yeah, man, rock star, cool. And then as soon as they said, and from London, I was, I was literally almost wiping the residue of having been sick from my mouth as I stepped onto the stage. I was oh. like, Petrified. Is, that, is, is there just a puddle of performers puke on the yeah, floor every time? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'll just aim there. Someone else has already been on. And, and, and then once it kicked in and we started doing the gig, I was loving it. Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, well, how old were you when you came over to London then? 25. So, you were with that band in Toronto for a while? You were living no, in Toronto? No, no. For a while. Well, no, that was a different band, but this particular band was a London based band. But before you, so you, you said at 21 you were in that band yeah. in Toronto? Yeah. Was that the start of the live singing? No, um, I think uh, live singing started for me when I was about 15. Oh, right, okay. Sorry. Yeah, just turning some sound off. So, live singing started for you when you were about 15? Well, then again, no, I actually started a lot. Well, it depends on what you mean by live singing. Like, when I was four years old, <laughs> my sister and my mother, they played the piano, and we would have guests come around the house, and they'd go, come here, Billy, and sing a song. And so uh, my perform <laughs> I was performing when I was four years old, and yeah. people that were coming over to the house to to listen to the piano and play the fiddle and, and have a sing-song. Probably gave you the confidence to start, I suppose. Yeah, I was a performer. You know, yeah. And a show-off, you know, yeah, all that stuff. A comedian. And so when you uh, were in that band in Toronto, were you with them for quite a while? For a reasonable period of time, I think two, three years. We put a record out. Really? Yeah. You told me about this. Yeah. So you think somewhere there is there is a vinyl record that exists. Oh, it is. It's 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 actually available, but it, it's when I look back at it, you know, it's just I just think it's awful. But if you can you get hold of it? Yeah. Because I remember last time we spoke about it, this was some years ago now. Yeah. It was sort of a lost thing that you never yeah. thought you'd see again. No, yeah, you can, you can get. What's it called? I'm not saying. Come on, <laughs> I really want to listen. <laughs> I'll tell you when the, when the mic's off. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. So that was a fun time. You were young, I bet it was a bit wild, you know. Yeah. And then the dream of coming to London. Why? Just because that dream of wanting to be play on London soil, or was it a whole? I want something new. I want to get, you know. No, I, I, I grew up. Um, loving the who and the and the stones and led zeppelin and everything that was british and when i gigged with this band in toronto i had the union jack shirt on and i would get on stage with the union jack t-shirt and stuff i was obsessed with all british music it was the best in the world and it still is as far as i'm concerned still yeah. oh yeah sure it does have a big old history oh my god i mean just, music, look, this tiny little island what, just what's put so I don't know, but there's just oh, it's so good. Because I mean, when, when was so the good. when was when was punk? That was it. Were you coming 70s, out? Yeah. Were, it was, was, it was, 76, 77 punk. That was 
way before you came over. Yeah. Yeah. Because that had a real attitude to it, didn't it? That was like, like yeah. back in like the Thatcher days and all that kind of thing. And there was a real edginess to it. But yeah. then that seemed to develop into quite a few different echelons of yeah. music. That Well, when everybody was listening to punk, I was still listening to Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin and The Who. And, yeah, yeah. And anything like that. So, I mean, I, I, I listened to the punk, but um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought that Don't mind. Sex Pistols yeah. were, you know, all right. Lots of, lots of different bands. Stranglers, The Damned. Stiff Little Fingers from Ireland. They were good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so while in Canada, I was just obsessed with British music. So I had this little ideological, romantic dream. I've got to go to England. I've got to play it. I don't even care if it's on the road with one person. Then I'm going to go back to Canada and tell someone I played in England. Oh, yeah. And that, that was my dream. Okay. Play in England. To, to, it didn't matter whether it was a pub or a hallway or a subway. And I did play in the tube stations as well. But... So yeah, it was a dream. So and it's come true. So yeah. Was it one of those romantic? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Pictures where you arrive in London with just you yep. and your guitar. Yep. That's really? One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, without a clue as to what I was doing or where I was going. Billy yeah. Joe the movie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then it just like the bus moves away, and then yeah. you are just like. Oh. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. Within six months, I managed to fulfill my dream. You know, I flew off executive class to Rome and did a concert with what this was, band. What was the deal with that concert? Was it just happened to be that band or was it just a thing where they were part of? They, they, yeah, it was a thing that they were a part of. And the manager was trying to get this band to perform in Rome. And he had the band, but he didn't have a vocalist. And they'd written the music, but they didn't have a vocalist. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they got me. And one of, one of my strategies was uh, they did this ballad. And I thought, how can I win the hearts of the Italian people? I've never been to Rome. And, you know. So I met this Italian girl from Rome who was living in London. And I said, look, will you teach me the chorus in Italian? But teach it to me so that when I sing it, I really do sound Italian. So ah. she goes, oh, be okay. So anyway, we spent ages going over this chorus. This was many years ago. Um, and, she, and I knew I was getting it right when she started laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And she said, oh, Billy, you sound so Italian. It's amazing. Uh -huh. I said, that's what I want. So off I go flying to Rome with this in the back of my little box of tricks, if you like. And we did the heavier stuff. And then we did this slow ballad. And it came to the chorus where I was going to sing it in Italian. And there's sort of a double thing going on here. In Canada, we say, this one's for you. And it used to be this bud, this buds for you, Bud Light beer. You know, this yeah. one's for you. So with a Canadian twist, we have said, "This one's for you." We, we did the verse, and I went into the chorus and said, "This one's for you." And I started to sing the chorus in Italian, and pretty much the entire audience stood on their feet and just screamed with uh, applause uh, and that's appreciation. Be, yeah. And that for me was really. That was just lovely. That one was of those, beautiful. One of those times lovely in your moment. life that you yeah. were in the moment. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, right. They received it, and it wasn't received pretentiously. It was received by this, you know, this kind of... It was a, it was a humble... It wasn't a pretentious thing. It was well, beautiful. Pretentious is, you know, yeah. gracias. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm speaking the wrong language there. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I think if you put the effort in, put the hard work yeah. in, it would come through, and they'd appreciate that, you know. Yeah. So what then so london's going pretty well you've got that six months you're in this band you play over in italy that's great like this is pretty cool and london's probably a bit of a funky scene when you're in the music yeah. scene there's probably quite a bit to go on and going on there's people everywhere yeah. you said you worked as a delivery driver and you were bombing around the streets yeah. as a on a like on a bike which is like that yeah. high death rate crazy job yeah. and you're doing all sorts of crazy stuff so what about your music passion and desires and dreams led you to troll fishing in scotland <laughs> <laughs> Good uh, question. What uh, happened? Well, the band fell apart, obviously. Um, I was living in, um, where was I living in? Um, just north North London. Uh, I think it was no, Kilburn High Road. Yeah, I was living on Kilburn High Road, very Irish part of London. And I was working in a pub and, and I wasn't in a band and I wasn't doing any music. And a mate of mine who was Scottish said, uh, I've been in touch with uh, some friends of his in the Highlands. And they knew of someone who knew someone else who needed a crewman on a trawler boat. And I said, I'll do it. Uh, because I came from Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, and I'd been on boats and I was familiar with the sea. And I wasn't you know, a boatman, but I'm certainly willing to go to sea. I didn't know that. 
know, you've been on boats before you came Yeah, up. you know, like, yeah. Just fishing a fishing bit. Fishing boats. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lobster boats, man. You know, just going out and whatnot. But anyway, uh, I said, I'll take it. I'll go for it. And uh, within, what, a day, I was on a bus in London and went all the way up to the highlands of Scotland. Got there. I mean, it felt like an 18-hour drive. It was. It was probably only 10 or 12, but I was exhausted. And I got to this little croft in the middle of the town, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, this lady answered the door and said, oh, you must be Bill. Come in, come in. Oh, yeah, Alan, my mate in London, you know. Um, he's, he's just let us know that you were coming here tonight. And you can just have a kip on the settee there. So I said, oh, yeah, I'm really exhausted. Thank you so much. So I put my bag down, lie down on the settee, close my eyes, and I heard, hur, hur. and outside was a pickup truck, John Angus McLean, the skipper of the boat arrived and just took me onto the boat straight away so I didn't even get any sleep so I ended up on this boat going out to sea and I'm barfing all over the place I do a lot of barfing anyway, um, I'm out to sea and I get my sea legs within two three days and I'm trolling and then yeah two-man crew what was the did you manage to do any music when you're up there did you have your guitar yes, with you yeah, you well, like yeah in the yeah. little pubs doing a little bit doing of this, a little bit like of that. that but then there was a couple of musicians I met up there and uh, we formed a Celtic rocky-ish band and did but that was concerts and pubs and yeah. But that was kind of like Nova Scotia for yeah, like, yeah, because it it's similar, isn't it? Because no, yeah. Nova Scotia is is Latin for New Scotland and yeah. and it is a very similar yeah. place. Obviously, I spent a little bit of time with you and Mum over there. It's it, it, the landscape similar? That kind of especially the Highlands, the sparsity is quite similar. Yeah. Um, but I know obviously. When I saw you over there, you were having a good fun with just like friends and mates, and I imagine it's a similar sort of thing. Up in you know, you won't take it. You know, like I imagine in London, you're taking it seriously. You're the next, you know, you're, you're the next big thing. Whereas obviously, up there, it's like you're probably having a bit more fun, and it's a bit more like yeah. you can probably just like experiment maybe a bit more. Yeah, more. yeah. And so uh, yeah, you met John Angus McLean. You told him plenty of stories about. That yeah. chap, anyway. But so, how long you were up there for? Oh boy, my memory. Um, I, well, I, I worked as a trawler fisherman for about two, three years, and then I worked on a fish farm for a couple of years as well. Um, so back and forth, maybe five, six years. Wow, give or take. Yeah, that's quite a long time. Yeah. And then you were all the time in the same bands, just playing a bit of music, no, or just kind of on and off. Oh no, God, no. Um, I was working on this fish farm. Well, when I was on the trawler, we got airlifted off in a gale force 10 storm and we nearly lost our lives. That's a long story. I won't go into it, but... I it's a good one, though. I've heard it. it Next time. So, yeah. Uh, and then I thought, oh, you know, bloody gales, November gales, you know. Anyway, um, I left the boat after a few years um, because I just thought that John Angus was going to kill himself and me if he didn't. Watch out for what he was doing, but anyway, I didn't I don't want to put him down. But, but so then I ended up working at a fish farm, um, which is a little safer. You're in a lock, and all you do is feed fish and call them, get them ready for market. And I lived in a caravan there. Where about whereabouts are you on a fish this, farm? This is um, pretty close to uh, uh, Dorney and uh, Kintail. Is that on the west coast? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I went to a little town called Glenelg and, met, and I was living there in a croft with no toilet or hot running water and worked a wild man of Cape Breton. Yeah, 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 it was lovely. I really liked it, especially yeah, in the winter. Yeah. Um, but uh, I met these folks in a pub and I said I played guitar. Would you like to come over to the, the croft and spend the night and play some music and drink some beer? And they said, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm singing away, and they leave, and I don't see them again. And then two years later, I'm standing on the lock, and the gales come again. And they destroy the fish farm. They literally destroy it all. London, who owned it, called up and said, just close it down. We're, we're, it's bankrupt. We're, we're not going to fund it, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm standing on the shore, looking at my job, just going out to sea. Just, just, everything's falling apart. The phone rings 
within a day or two. <clears throat> and this guy goes, well, I don't know if you know me, but I met you up in Scotland in a little croft somewhere one night when you invited us over to his, your place. You were playing guitar and you were singing. I've got this rock band. Would, would you be interested in joining as a vocalist? Yeah, sure, I man. I'll come down. <laughs> <laughs> he was fantastic. So he came up with the band in a van all the way to Scotland, um, picked me up, and brought me down onto the world on the Merseyside, and plunked me in a band, and off I went with this other band. Is the, are these the... Wyzito, yeah. These are the chaps that... Yeah. Oh, wow. I've since so they're the guys, so those guys are the guys who came all the way up to Scotland? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realise that. I thought they were maybe another one you just met. So yeah. so you, you're in London, then you're in Scotland, and yeah. you're a wild man living in like yeah. a no-toilet shed. And yeah. That sounds great. It was. I bet it was. It was. And then, uh, then it's back to the big stuff, because Liverpool's quite a big scene it's quite a big city I mean, well the world we weren't quite oh, you're on quite, the world. yeah we were on the world so, yeah okay yeah, the jedis as they refer them yeah. <laughs> why is that you know the liver bird on the yeah yeah you know, well, we, they call them the, that one eye that looks over onto the world oh the world. right okay Jedi. fair enough fair enough yeah. so how was the scene in liverpool then it's quite creative and quite quite an interesting place yeah. these days but what yeah. was it like then oh it was great yeah we had, we had a lot of fun yeah. yeah yeah it was a good band Still doing it now. Yeah, well, oddly enough, what, 25 years later? No, God. No, 30 years later, 27 to 30 years later, we all meet on Facebook and reform. I started doing those festivals in Wales. And now, a couple of times a year, you go for a big hoo yeah, and have a great yeah, time, yeah. yeah. That was great. So, the music career, in terms of it being in Liverpool, you were part of that band. You've been going for a while now as like lead singer. Are you singing the same sort of music every time? Are you singing like your brown eyed girl or are you singing like. <laughs> oh, the good old signal of a. Uh, of a it's like you want to. I bet that's difficult sometimes when you want to play like oh. your favourite stuff and they're just Someone like. Have you got brown eyed girl? Mustang Sally on. <laughs> Not Mustangs. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Oh, no. Have you heard of that one, Mustang Sally? Like, oh. <laughs> but you do these things to appease your audience, you know. Yeah. Because they get every so often a gig comes along where you can be a bit more liberal. Yeah. You can be a bit more yourself, can't you? And then, yeah. But then half the time it'll be like, uh, can you just play this? Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. So, um,. So where do we go from Liverpool then? Um, what happened? Uh, let's see now. Okay, and I moved to Lancaster. Yeah. And then, was that Four. when you started the band that Hair of the Dog? Was that when Hair of the Dog yeah. started? Yeah. So how long was that? Was been going a while then. Yeah, Hair of the Dog, eh? yeah, Hair of the Dog for ooh, 12, 13 years. And then yeah. in the Wagon and Horses pub, yeah, you were playing one night, and then uh, yeah. the rest is history. It is. <laughs> but then, no, well, there was a different, there was a, there was a spot there, wasn't there, where mm. you were living in Canada with mum yeah. and that cool little, oh, yeah, yeah. and you had a band out there. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I remember, because we lived out there with you, what, three months? Or yeah. was, it, was it longer yeah. than that? I feel, I always feel like it was longer than three months because I saw, yeah. like, the worst winter of wind, like, the, the, the storms and the horrible mm. rain, and then all of a sudden it was boiling and there was those yeah. horrible black flies everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um... You had a band out there, yeah. and you really enjoyed playing with that band. Yeah, you had a lot of fun playing with that guys, band. Yeah, lovely guys. You still into contact with those guys? I am, yeah. Because we saw you. Uh, it's a different scene in Canada. Canada's a different world. Um, there's just a lot more space going on, you know, like that bar we went to. I don't remember if you know which one it, I'm talking about. I can't remember the name of it. But it was in. It was just massive. Yeah. It was just like a normal bar, but it was huge. And so the yeah. stage, you had a sound, sound man. And, yeah. Um, another one where you just looked like you were really enjoying yourself. Yeah. You just went round to each other's houses and gigged and jammed and yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, they, were, they were great guys. And then since you came back, you developed this um, career that you've got now. That's 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 you know it, like you work full time, but it's still it's, it's it's a good income. And before the lock, yeah. before the lockdown happened, you must have been two three times a week at times you know? yeah it was, yeah it was, it was good it was yeah. busy yeah are you enjoying it are you enjoying it being work yeah good question no is the answer to that because but you've got to kind of overcome that sometimes i sit at home with your mom and i'll think oh can i really 
I don't want to gig tonight. I'm tired. She goes, you'll be fine when you get there. I know. I know. And then I'll get there. And then, bing. That energy that somehow. That energy kicked that... in. And, and, you know, but sometimes, yeah. I don't, and I don't want it to become work. And I think there was a few times where it felt like work, but. I've never been, I've got to admit, I've never seen it, even when you've been in like, a, 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 I've seen you, I've seen you in a place where, you know, you would expect that to impact your performance. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, you you know, you've done it for that long that it does seem that from the outside perspective, as soon as you're on, you can switch it on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I can see why internally, like, it's one of those, isn't it? You just, yeah. it's like anything, you don't want to turn your passion into brown eyed girl and Mustang Ooh. Sally. Yeah. <laughs> Although with Brown Eyed Girl and Mustang Sally scenarios, I've, I've changed Brown Eyed Girl and I've done a slower version and just reshaped it just for my own Keep pleasure. it interesting. And Mustang Sally, you can take a song that you've sung a thousand times and start adding little ornamentations or variations to it just to kind of entertain yourself. So you make it a positive experience. You know, someone says, oh, what about Mustang Sally? You think, oh, God. Right, I'm going to do it differently tonight, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to do it differently the next night because it's it's sort of, it's a way to um, keep it so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to you've got to have quite a lot of enthusiasm yeah. to get on stage and to make it work, yeah. and that enthusiasm won't work if it's if it's boring. Do you know what I mean? You can't you can't fake your way to that, can you? You need yeah. to keep you got it to pull out all your reserves sometimes. <laughs> so that was pretty much spanned the. The history of Billy in music. I think it's pretty extensive. I think you could call yourself pretty. You, you've probably pretty much mastered vocals for yourself. You know? No. Well, they say it takes ten years of doing something really? repeatedly. Do they? To, you know, he says that. So it's back. From, this is a book called Mastery. I read it. Anyway. Ah, right, okay. But it's it's back from when um, the traditional thing was to be a novice, an apprentice, a journeyman, and ah, then right, um, okay. I think a master was after. So the novice. Wow. was new to something the, right. the the apprentice was under a master sure. uh, let's say blacksmithing then the journeyman got to a point where he was too good to stay in there so yeah. he went looking for work and he yeah. did that for 10 years getting this that yeah. as you've just described to us getting this that and a bit of experience until he set up his own shop and and that's when he you, after about yeah. 10 years you're at the point where you know you've just you've repeatedly done something mm. because i think a lot of people think um talent is the number one driving factor behind things but i'm a big believer that talent's about 20 percent and just repeatedly doing hard work mm. is the 80 percent if you wake up in the morning and keep at it mm. if you keep doing it i mean you've just given endless examples of different ways you just kept singing in different bands different varieties yeah. different venues different crowds but because you've done it for so long you won't even you probably won't even be aware of like how many things are just like programmed yeah like turning it on like i say when even when you've had a bit of a crap day maybe you're a bit down or whatever that turning it on mm. you wouldn't have been able to do that when you at the very beginning do you know what i mean no. not to just be able to like yeah get into that mind frame but then it gets difficult to keep it interesting yeah you know so it's kind of true so in that respect we've gone through the history we know what you're doing now which hopefully what you'll be doing in some way or another soon yeah i mean i've got some pretty cool recording equipment if you wanted to do a live um half hour yeah could cool. do that that'd be yeah. cool yeah, that'd be um i know we did try doing a a bit of a thing here in the first weekend didn't we um un yes unplugged unplugged unamplified and it was oof, it, i mean it worked in terms of it was like a good performance and you guys were like great but it's just without the amplification yeah. it's so difficult you, you you're so <laughs> focused on trying to throw your voice over the crowd and the crowd in here it was just squashed in so it was like um i've still got some video footage of it though i think that was pretty cool it's a good experience but it would be nice to get a license to actually do like amplified yeah. music in here and then um, yeah and probably have like Cause it's just that yeah, I don't know. I like live music. I like those. I like I like what's going on. I like the whole vibe of like the, you know, in the royal it works quite well. It's like mm. nice little sound going on there. Um. So yeah, I suppose they're the bones of it all. But what about things like? So you talked at the beginning quite amazingly about going back to that center and that place to keep it creative. 
So what is music to you? What is, like if someone has asked you the question, what is music? How would you answer that? It's everything. How do you answer that one? Wow. um... Well, only you can have the answer for it, really, can't you? It uh, it saved my soul, um, my life. It's fed me. It's hugged me. It's always been loyal. It's never let me down. It doesn't talk behind my back. It doesn't cheat on me. It doesn't break my heart. It doesn't argue with me. Uh, it doesn't talk. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, you know, there but for the grace of God go I with music. I think without music I'd probably end up, I've often said this kind of jokingly, but in ser- I'd probably end up in, a, in an institution just sitting in the corner on amitriptyline dripping from my mouth. <laughs> music has saved my sanity and oh God, you know, when you think about I don't know, I just, you know, when I was a kid and on the streets, I sung for food and got paid for that and ate. So I had a real basic, fundamental survival, Muslim's hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, clothing. Music was there and fed me and took care of me and always loved me. You know, and I don't know, I, if if someone said you're going to lose your voice tomorrow and never sing again, I'd say, right, I'm playing guitar then, or I'm banging a drum, or, you know. I love that. You know, like, it, music is... I can't stress how important it is. I love that. I thought you were going to say, if I lose my voice tomorrow, then that's it. I love that you went no, straight I'm, to like, well, I'm, lo- I'm playing guitar. Yeah, I'll like, jump up and down on a something that goes boom, boom, or whatever. Hang, anything. Well, it's weird. Hang yeah, anything. Thing. Anything. You know, if you chop my arms off and, and everything, I would sing. If you took my voice away, I would bang with my feet. I would... Music... Yeah, I, don't, I, I can never answer that question. What does it mean to you? Well, that's a pretty it's, good answer, to be fair. Yeah, it's just everything in that. Yeah. You know, if I'm if I'm angry, I can pick a guitar up and sing an angry song, and then that's it. I'm sorry. Ah, I feel better now. If I'm sad, but I can't quite get that out of me, I'm, I'm feeling low, I need to have a good little cry, I'll pick up a song, play that song, cry and go, ah, that's better now, I'm going off on my day. And, if I'm happy, I'll play a happy song and, and be happier. I think a lot of people um, can relate to that. Yeah. I know that, like, I use music to feel feelings in a way. Yeah. You know, you feel like, like you say, like sometimes if you're sad or you're down um, and you need to feel sad and down for a bit, well, yeah. I'll go stick Sound of Silence on. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? And then, yeah. but then then I'll probably start listening to other things and then mm. drive myself up into yeah. something that's like a bit more yeah. cheery. Do you yeah. think, so when I was in school, we had music was mandatory. Like once every two weeks, I think we had a music lesson. Yeah. But the two teeth, I mean, I'm not going to badmouth anyone, but it was just like, it was like here, we're going to learn um, green sleeves and the, you know, here's the classical approach to music. You know, it was basically just an hour to waste your time. Mm. There was the only kids in there that were enjoying themselves were the kids whose parents have been drilling a minute from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? There's two in the corner who yeah. played violin and the and the yeah. piano before, and they knew what they were doing. And for the rest of us, it was sit at the back of the lesson just mm. because it didn't it didn't speak to us. You know what I mean? Mm. Like just looking at a sheet of music as well, like them trying to explain the theory before they've really lit any kind of spark mm-hmm. about it. And I feel like listening to you talk about music was the first time that actually got me, oh, right, and just here again, like mm-hmm. it's like, and hearing about how important it is to you as a, it's, it's much, it's much more relatable than, Hi, my name is Mister. Here is the sheet of, and this is this means this, and this means this, and Beethoven did this, and and you're like, yeah. means nothing. Do you know what I mean? How would you, how would you teach music? How would you recommend? Could you could you teach it to everyone? Does everyone want to know music, or do they have to kind of like get that passion, that spark somewhere? Oh, good question. I'm not so sure. I mean, it depends. If you're teaching children and you're pushing music on children, you push anything on a the child, then you you meet with resistance, and then you resist and they resist, and, and it just becomes this big ball of resistance. <laughs> they never want to go again. Look, there's a room. There's some instruments. Grab something that you might want to have a go at and have a go at it. 
and allow them to go to it rather than it being forced on them. It's difficult, isn't it, though? Because yeah. um, would you say it was forced on you, though? Or did you want to perform? Do you know what I mean? Well, no, I have this theory that um, because my mum played wicked Irish piano, like, I mean, and all that kind of stuff, um, I'm convinced, because I've sung to my son, Josh, in, in his mum's belly before he was born, and as a result, I, and I didn't just do it once, I did it a lot. I sung to, his, to the belly with Josh inside, and he's come out with a nice voice, good sense of timing, good sense of rhythm, and a love for music and melody, and he's actually more creative than I am. Um, the stuff that he comes out with, oh my God, wow, that's amazing. Um, so I'm convinced that when my mom was banging away at the piano, and she would have done it when she was pregnant, her belly was pressed against the piano. I'm sure I was in the womb, just going, amazing sound, uh, man, what's going on? Just jigging around. In so I think it started at a, pre-birth at, a, at, a, at another level a long could, time ago. So I, it was natural. could believe that, 100%. Because mm. it's a very universal thing, music, isn't it? You know, like where people have language barriers and things like that, you know, may never understand a word that person says, but the two people can watch or li watch, listen to some music and, and mm. both kind of get the same mm. message. And it obviously crosses boundaries like that. Um, and it's a vibration, isn't it? You know what I mean? And it's, of course it's going to travel through a belly. I think a lot of people find music by listening to it first mm. and then finding that. But I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Other than my parents used to sing to me, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, um, like, uh, what would you call them? Melodies? The yeah. Right. Some weird songs that now I look back <laughs> and I'm like, where did they come from? The what? wheels on the bus go. <laughs> well, not quite as weird as that. <laughs> but they were like, it was strange songs that like, I don't even know, like, your mum knows them all. She does, doesn't she? She likes to record them. Absolutely. Like, she comes she's up. the last holder of oh. some knowledge, you know. What is that? Um, oh. The Pendle Hill. Oh, yeah, Pendle, yeah. oh, Pendle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just walking past Pendle Hill once or something. Oh, no, I think we were driving. I was like, and she just came out with, yeah. oh, Pendle, oh, Pendle, yeah. what doodly do? What doodly, what doodly, what If we're sitting together and I'll just say, I don't know, I might say, Oh, that, that's a lovely chair over there. There once was a chair. Who? I go, where did it come with that song? She's got a, a little limerick or a, what do they call those little diddlies? I don't know. There is a thing about them, isn't there? She's got loads of them in that subconscious mind of hers. I feel like they need to be written down. I feel like I they'll, they'll disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah. There's something like they hark back to a time where yeah. people didn't travel. Do you know what I mean? And like they didn't know the outside world that well. Because like, it, it's equivalent of... Um, a ring around the roses mm, and, yeah, and you know kids yeah. on the playground that when I was young the, the girls would skip and they'd be yeah. singing some random weird thing yeah. but it's it's kind of comes from there yeah um someone will prove me wrong but I'm pretty sure that tissue tissue one they all fall down something about the play yes, right, yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah so music it's a um it's a bit of a yeah, bit of a winner really yeah it's mm. just a shame we can't have it in our lives as much Right now we're told to keep the stereos well, down. Live music, and, uh, yeah. But yes, and, and, and even recorded music, yeah. Gotta keep I suppose it you've had a bit. break from it, so if you, if you get the chance to go back to it, it might be a bit different. And have you done it since this new, you obviously changed jobs roles. Have you been doing live performance at all since you did the job change? Did it happen just before or just after? Yeah, yeah, it just, the timing was perfect. Just when I thought, right, I'll go part-time and do this job and I'll, I've got all these gigs all these all these bookings and stuff for the summer yay covid no bookings <laughs> yeah right, that's and it just thing. died um but um uh, but no i haven't i tried a few times on the boat um plugging in the pa and having a little go but no i i need i need to turn it up and have a good old blast at it i haven't done that i was thinking maybe i'm going down the, the the hotel on a monday night and just plugging in and just ripping through it because I, I almost feel like i forgot how to sing uh, you know that 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 energy and that passion and that adrenaline is just it's quite an important practice as well isn't it you know it's yeah. almost like a meditation yeah um and i can yeah. imagine there being an itch to do it if you Absolutely. know what i mean i suppose you can go camping now right? you and the yeah. the boys from liverpool should yeah. all gather together in a field and just yeah. blare away yeah and then throw your covid into the air and <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I'm only joking. We don't like COVID. But it's a bit of a strange time, isn't it? You know? It is. But uh, perhaps we'll get back to some kind of normality. I always thought, I remember the first, when this first sort of happened, I was like, I hope we don't just like look desperately to return to normality, but we kind of find something new. Do you know what I mean? It was a I chance to slow down. I think there's a lot down. of new positive stuff going on out there, you know. I think it's a good thing. A lot of people are moaning, oh my God, and only 30 people and everyone's surviving. It's true. It'd be difficult on a lot of businesses to survive. But without sounding crass, it's almost like, I don't know how this is going to come out, but because we have to work together and, and get this right and to take care of each other, there's almost this selection process of weeding out the morons that don't want to do that. And so you're creating these areas, these environments with people who want to comply and work together and be safe and, and do whatever. Sometimes when you go out into a pub and you'll go to a place and, and you'll see a few people go, oh yeah, they're pretty cool. But then you'll get this vibe that there's another crowd, there's something rowdy going on. I know that bad. I don't know if you know what I mean, but I know that bad. It's like because of COVID, it's going to sift out the idiots, and if they want to go and be riotous somewhere else, well, that's fine. Yeah, I. There are venues that are going to create, oh, like this venue here, 100%. to create that place that, that feels safe. It's a really nice place to go. Uh, no idiots. So there's a a discriminatory almost element of creating a not euphoric, but the the right crowd and a good crowd and a, I found that on, does that uh, sound a bit juvenile to say that no you? I think you're entirely yeah. right I found that this weekend and that Saturday yeah. it was one of the nicest shifts I've worked number one I had to commit to a, another member of staff the whole shift you know yeah. and, and beforehand because it was a new business I only opened up I was quite anxious about putting staff on because even though it was working I'm like yeah, yeah but that's what if the money and added it couldn't yeah. work? But like now it has to happen. But it means it's a better experience for me. It's a better experience mm. for the person who's helping me. Mm. And therefore, it's a better experience for the customers. Mm. So that's a bonus. Mm. And I'm now going to have to do that every shift. I tried, yeah. on, I tried on Sunday on my own. It was just, by the end of it, I was getting cross because I, I like dropped this. You know, and I was just, I, because I couldn't manage all these things. Mm. But then the people who've been coming in, they've been booking. Yeah. So they're keen to be there. They know they've only got a two-hour slot. So they're there getting the drinks in. They're a great crowd. Yeah. Like, I love the people who come here. I love the people. I love to get yeah. to know them. And, and, and they're the best ones. Um, yeah. Then you had that first-come, first-serve idea of outside. But they've got to sit down still. So I think there was five or six tables outside. But having me, with me being able to manage it, mm. again, it's like you're seated it's manageable the atmosphere is nicer mm. um, and i kind of like i'm almost like tempted to put the two hour slot on the tables outside because the only problem i had over the weekend was a group of lads who came early and stayed there all day you know and then you yeah. saw them you know what i mean i'm i'm sure great lads and yeah. you know they were there they were mostly absolutely harmless but sure. they just had a bit too much and yeah. they were starting getting loud and this is very much like a community-based project yeah. that i want to please the people around here mm. and and have someone you know shouting at people across the road or anything like that it's not what it's yeah. about you know but my hope is that like this continues that way number one because i want everyone to be safe we mm. nobody knows what's going to happen you know we have to learn to live with this thing because it's in our existence you know we've done the bunker down haven't we yeah and maybe you know maybe we'll have to bunker down in bits again yeah. um we nobody knows but i think it's quite it was very i felt on by the time Sunday finished, I felt very mentally positive, having seen yeah. and spoken to so many people, yeah. asked them how their lives were going, yeah. and got to see them chatting and, and knowing they're okay, you know. Um, yeah. And it was a nicer atmosphere. Yeah. But I feel, I do know there's obviously a few places where it wasn't the case. There's a few yeah. places where they haven't taken the legislation and the rules seriously. Yeah. Um, and a few have been shut down. Yeah, well, rightfully so, down, you know. So, um, yeah. Because when you get that atmosphere, it ruins it for you and it ruins it for the people in the venue, mm. you know. You must get that when you're gigging and it's kind of like mm. you don't want to have to be your own security. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not why you're there, is it? I'm not here to, yeah. you know, ref I'm not here to have to tell people off. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I will. There are, there are venues, I won't mention them, but there are venues that 
that asked me to play and I don't play there because of that. Because I've already... Yeah. It's not as though I didn't play there. I've played there several times, but every time I've played there, it's become aggressive and violent and equipment is potentially going to get destroyed, blah, blah, blah. So I don't... I just don't no. play. People don't go. I don't think people really, really understand yeah. what violence can lead to, you know, and how quickly something can escalate. And these people are often, I imagine, quite insecure in themselves, you know, once they have a few drinks in them. And then it's, but it's not my, I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm not here to create an environment where people come to get pissed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want people to come here yeah. to have, do what we're having now, yeah. have conversations. And because, you know, and well, I think you were very boundaried. I mean, whether this is to be recorded or not, but when I was here on that Saturday, you know, you had limited that individual with one shot, not a double. Yeah. And, you look like you're in control, but you had the you were you were boundary driven, and those that respect boundaries. Yeah, I found that much easier there. to do. In and, my yeah, own and, and you, so you you did a really good job there. I was well, like, I, I, I I thought yeah he's safe he's safe he's in control yeah that's what he's doing yeah well the thing is I've, I I from the beginning I've had no doubt that so I thought you know there's a inform warn warn and ask to leave policy that's mm -hmm. very loose but in my head that is. You've come into the venue, there's signs up, you know how to act, you know how sure. to behave. That's the inform. Yeah. You get one warning, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, ask to leave is kind of like, right. Because I don't want that element to ruin the, the what I'm trying to build here. Um, I'm ruining it for the experience of people. And in that scenario, it's very easy to go too down that line and be like, you're bad. Do you know what I mean? Yes, sure. But then I think, I think back to the days where communities were more... We were less wealthy as a, as a country than we are now. Like, it, you know, no one, it wasn't that everyone had a phone and, all, and like TVs and everything like that. And then, the you know, the pub was the local for the people, hardworking, local working people. And yeah, there was an idiot kid around and you might mm -hmm. probably clipped him around the ear all a few times, but you didn't just exclude him from the community straight away. And if I can give that chance, give a second chance, that's what I want to try and do, you know, sure. rather than, I remember, you know, to that chap um saying that you know you can have you can have one shot instead of two because he wasn't too drunk he was just not behaving in a way i thought mm. was acceptable and that would send my message across without being ungrateful for the fact that him and his pals have sat there all day spending money in my venue and have otherwise behaved quite quite fine you know they've been in here since 2 2 p.m um and they had been re pretty reasonable up until that point mm. So it would, I think it would have been too far to be like, no. But I also did say when he protested it being unfair, I said, well, you can have nothing then. And he soon realised, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm happy with you having Pretty nothing. clear boundaries. Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy with you yeah. having nothing and leaving. But I think boundaries is an important Absolutely. thing, you know. Um, you really do have to have them or you can't really start a conversation or a nego you can't negotiate without a boundary. If you don't have that line that no one can cross, then... Yeah. That's it, isn't it? And I think yeah. this venue to be a success needs that boundary. Um, and yeah, anyway, not, yeah. not much about music, but <laughs> no, no, it was, a, it was a nice atmosphere when I came in as well. There were just, it was just nice and found yeah, that all day. So well done. It was enjoyable. That's what I'm trying to say, I think. Well Cheers, done. buddy. Thank you. Well done to you, man. And uh, yeah, let's hope we can get the microphone back in your hand someday soon. Yes. I mean, I, I am game for trying like a live thing if you ever want to yeah. do it. Like you can record it in here. And, Put it up yeah. on um, YouTube. I yeah. don't know. Even if you just want, I suppose. I suppose the sound because I think next door they are at the moment they're having to work in shifts, so they've gone from like dead early in the morning, half of them, to dead late at night. Really? Yeah, because they can only do half. You know, right. they can't sit right next to each other anymore. So yeah. you have oh, to have right. some in the morning, some at night. So I'm not sure how that works actually. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to come around and. Trying something like that when it's convenient, it'd be great. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then next time we do this, we'll have some beers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's been good. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, we've, yeah. We've explored yeah. music, what music is to you, and, yeah. and a local musician. Hopefully, you know. I didn't mention um, Fits the Bill. Fits the Bill? Yeah, Fits the Bill. Your your Uncle Tony and me, we, we've got this Fits the Bill thing going. Yeah, so that's I just thought it'd be important to mention that. Yeah, so. Um, my uncle plays the banjo he's yeah. been playing the banjo pretty consistently yeah. for a long time and bill's working 
every day to every well not every day every time you guys gig you're working together to kind of like form a sound that's yeah. very different to yeah. how you normally perform yeah. it's yeah. more like well it's banjo driven yeah. isn't it because a banjo one thing i've noticed is that <clears throat> it dominates everything mm. it's a very loud instrument <laughs> which i'm converting him to guitar and he's doing very well oh really well. yeah yeah he's playing some really tony hey, you can hear this tony you're playing some real Shout nice out guitar to tony yeah, tony. <laughs> yeah he is he, he so he's usually you know he's kind of fluctuating between banjo and guitar but a lot lately before covid came in he was we were working on guitar stuff it was something really pretty well quite a few yeah. times you've gone out down there and just spent the whole day yeah. jamming away haven't you yeah it's always quite a good one yeah so yeah fits the bill it's dead plug fits the bill yeah F plug fits the bill and billy joe the canadian yeah. the local artist and um we'll try and get some recording on at some point yeah. at least uh in the background maybe um because I think Fits the Bill's a great sound as well. Yeah. Like, the crazy band. I mean, that's the one. It was Fits the Bill that actually played in here, yeah. unplugged. But that's when like the banjo's way out of. Yeah. It's just like it's such a loud when you can't. Well, that's that, that isn't it? You're not yeah. blending the sound or whatever. Yeah. So it was a challenging gig that one, but I enjoy a challenge. <laughs> I never sung as loud as I, I was. I was screaming to be heard. Yeah, that was that first Saturday, I think, yeah. and I didn't realize how many people could fit in this place. I mean, like, I still wasn't at the capacity because I don't think if you were at the, you know, you'd, you'd not be able to get that many people in. But I think there's 48 people in there. Yeah, something like that in this little it was space. Great, great yeah. fun. It was a good crack. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, cheers. But now yes. I've had to use these plastic glasses because um, Ding. because the sound of the glass wumbles too much. I don't know. It's a, it's an experiment. Cheers, man. Cheers, bud. No Wobblers podcast episode two with Billy Joe the Canadian. I suppose the title of this one is What is Music to You? I think that's a good title. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try and sing it. That's awful. Thank you, man. Cheers, man.